Hey, good morning. So glad to have you here this morning at Lake Point. And uh, some of you, this is your first time with us. Thank you again for being here and for being our guest this morning. As you came in, you should have received a program that looks like this. And inside your program is a connection card. And we have to take a minute, fill it out. And at the end of the service, you can drop it in the offering basket as it comes by your way. And uh, I'm Pastor Scott, and I'm so glad to be here. And uh, as you saw, we're kicking off a brand new series next week. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series on marriage, on how to work on your marriage, how to repair marriages. Let's go back to the basics of some marriage principles. And I pray that you'll be here next week and invite somebody to be your guest next Sunday for the next five weeks. And as we talk about this, whether you've been married for one year or 50 years, we all have work to do in our marriage, and um, it, it takes work. Marriage is high maintenance. It takes work, and uh, I pray that you'll be a part of next Sunday's series as we kick off the Fisher Upper Message series. Now today, we're finishing up a two-week series, a real short message series. We started last week. We'll finish it today on Gone Fishing. How many fishermen we have in the house today? We got some? All right, we got some out here. How many of you have fished before, but you're not good at it? All right, yeah, there you go. I'm not good at it either. Um, you know, I, I pull a lot of weeds, you know, that's what I pull, a lot of seaweed. I think it's a bite, you know, I'm pulling something, I, I yank it in, and then I get, I get, the, I get, the, I catch the big one, you know, it's the big weed, and that's what I get. But um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. It takes work to go out fishing, and, uh, and that's what we've been doing in a series called Gone fishing. And if you're curious about what that means, we look at a verse last week where Jesus talked to the disciples, Peter and James and Andrew and John, he ran into them while they were fishing, because these guys were fishermen. And he ran into them and talked to them, and he, he, he cast out a, a call to their lives. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible said that Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. And I asked a question last week, which uh, was a very important question. And the question is this, if you're not fishing, are you really following Jesus? Because if you fish, you follow. If you follow, you fish. It's part of our Christian life. It's part of what we do. It's part of what we're supposed to be doing as believers. It's fishing. We are to fish. Someone led us to Christ. We came to Jesus. And now we need to pay it forward and to keep carrying out the message of the gospel, which is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibilities as believers in Christ, to carry out the message, to share the message, to, to fish. And if you're believers, if you are a Christ follower, you should be fishing. And I, I bet to say that most of us here knows a candidate. You know somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ. I think that most of us in here, you work with somebody or you live next to somebody. You've got people in the neighborhood that don't know Jesus. They don't know who he is. 
And you are the opportunity. You are in the place where God can use you to fish for them. Now, notice I didn't say that we're to, to catch the fish. We do the fishing. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, they do the catching. All we're supposed to do is drop the line, drop the bait in the water. And, uh, and the reason why we don't share our faith is that oftentimes, we talked about this last week, oftentimes we're afraid, we have to fear man, we're afraid of what they might think of us, we don't feel qualified, we don't feel like we know all the answers, we, we say, man, what if, what if they ask me a question I don't know? What if they ask me something and, I, and, and I'm dumb? You know, I, I don't want to go there and look like a fool, and so we don't feel qualified. Sometimes we don't want to be pushy. So I don't want to be that kind of a person. And I'm not asking to be that kind of person. You know, we're just the fish. God is the catching. We are sometimes, a reason why we don't share our faith is we're complacent. We're lazy. We don't think about it. It's not in our, it's not in our mind, it's not in the front of our mind to share, to fish, to let people know about who Jesus is. And so that's the challenge that a lot of us face. But then, we talked about this last week. And we talked about how important it is. And a lot of you were like, Scott, I, I, that sounds great. I want to be a better fisherman. I want to be better at what I do. But I don't know how. I don't know how. And in fact, over 90%, over 90% of believers... Don't know how. They don't know how to share the gospel. They don't know how to share the faith. They don't know how to share their story. And so today I want to talk about the how-tos. Because we're called to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're called to represent him. And you say, I want to represent him, but I don't know how to represent him. I don't know how to share the message. I don't know how to to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So today I want to talk about the how-to. Because if you talk to a fisherman, they have different ways to fish. Different ways to fish. They have your tackle box, right? They bring it down and you open up the tackle box and, and they got all kinds of, of bait, all kinds of lure in the tackle box, right? They've got some big ones. They've got some shiny ones. They got some rubbery things, you know. Sometimes I think it's uh, a gummy worm, but not. Don't eat it, okay? If it's in a tackle box, it's a good idea to not eat it, even if it looks like a gummy worm, all right? So they got that, and then, by the way, that's never happened to me, just in case you're wondering, okay? You know, they've got shiny, real nice shiny bait, all kinds of bait to reach different kinds of a fish. Now we talked about this last week. In order to reach a fish, you have to think like a fish. You have to think, what were they like? Well, how do I approach those kind of fish that I want to catch? And that will determine what kind of bait that you're going to use. You know, you might actually use live bait. You know, you buy some worms or you buy some little, little baby fishes, you know, and, and you use that to hook a fish. There's all kinds of tools, and I want to say this, as a fisherman for Jesus Christ, there's all kinds of ways to do it. 
There's, not, there's just not one way to do it. Not just one way to share your faith. And so today I hope to help you. Some of you have got an empty tackle box. And says, God, I've got maybe one way of doing it, but I'd like to add more to my tackle box. I'd like to do more as I continue to fish, as I follow Jesus Christ. So if you're taking note, how to share your faith in Christ, how to use the different types of bait and lure to reach people as you go fishing. Number one, you can use what you have. Use what you have. Now this is, this is an easy one. I believe that every one of us can do this starting this week. You can do something like this. We see this in the life of Matthew. One of Jesus' first disciples. Now, if you don't know about Matthew, his original name was Levi. Levi was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were not loved by people. All right? Not much of change, right? But they were really, really hated back in the day. In fact, these guys were, uh, were considered, considered kind artists back then. They would tell you, hey, you owe, you know, $10 when you really owed $5. And so they'll take your ten bucks and they'll pocket the five and give the five dollars to Caesars. That's how they would, that's how they would work. Alright, and so, and they were just kind of shaking people down. Much like maybe a mafia would do. And so these guys were pretty hated and people knew the game. People knew the game, but if you didn't pay, then they could report to a, a Roman soldiers and Roman soldiers can come and arrest you. And so people paid out of fear. So you know what? I'm, I'm just going to pay it and be done with. It's just part of the game. It's part of the system. But they hated tax collectors. And that was Matthew. And, and it's cool because Jesus called a person like Matthew to be in his inner circle. To be a part of his inner circle. And so he changed Matthew's life. And Matthew simply couldn't keep the love of Jesus to himself. He had to share the message. He had to get out there and, and fish for people. And now think about this. Matthew, he didn't know anything about how to share his faith. He didn't have a degree. He wasn't a preacher. He had no religious training. He never even led a life group. He never helped in children's ministry. The only thing that Levi knew to do at this point in his life, the only thing he knew how to do and what to do was to throw a party. Now, how many would like to throw a party? Just one. Okay. Man, what, a, what kind of church do I... All right, I, I got another person there. All right. I like the, how many of you like a party? All right. We like a good party, okay? I love parties. You know, you know when there's a food and it's going to be good, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It can be a great time. And Matthew, he knew how to throw a party. And that's what he did. He threw some burgers on the grill. He put the big game on the flat screen. He got the cornhole, all that, all that put out in the backyard. You know, he hired a band. He sent out an invitation to come to his party. Now, you're thinking, why, really? He said, yeah, I kind of modernized it a little bit, okay? But he threw a party. He threw a party, and Jesus was part of the party. He made sure that Jesus was there. In fact, here's how the, the Luke, here's how Luke reported 
on his party. Luke chapter 5, verse 29. Levi held a banquet, a party, in his home with Jesus at the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors. Nobody wanted to hang out with the tax collectors. So tax collectors, they kind of hung out with themselves, right? And other guests also ate with them. And the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law, they complained bitterly to Jesus', to Jesus disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? I mean, that's what they thought about the tax, tax collectors back then. I, I mean, they, they described tax collectors and sinners. That's how they would actually describe these people. They're the tax collectors, the sinners, right? And then they're the tax collectors. I mean, they're like a whole degree worse than the sinners, right? That's how they describe these people. And so how do you eat with these people? And Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So Matthew had an end game here. If I'm going to have a party, and invite all my friends. But I'm going to make sure Jesus is there. And in the same way, you can use what you have to reach those that you love. Start with what you have. Start with what you have. I, you know, God will take what you have and He can use it for His glory. I, in Judges chapter 3, we don't turn there, but in Judges chapter 3, you see a man named Shamgar. Now, Shamgar is one of those great unknowns in the Bible. He's only mentioned twice, but he was one of the judges that we read about in the book of Judge. And he's only got two verses to his name. That's it. I really just one, because the other one was just kind of a reference to, kind of like, you know, just, just name drop, but it was not, not much to the name. So we only got one little biogra- biographical verse about this guy named Shemgar, and he was one of the judges. And the Bible says that he was a farmer, most likely a farmer, and he was um, out busy one day, and, and, um, and he was probably plowing his field because the Bible talks about in this one verse in Judges 3 that he had a tool called an ox goad. Goad. G-O-A-D. An ox goad. Basically what it was was a tool with a pointy end. Right? And any time the ox was plowing crooked, he would take that little ox goad and kind of poke the side of that oxen to get them back into the line, to get them back straight. And that was a tool. That's what they used back then. The Bible says that Shemgar was called to be a judge of God. And the Bible, God said to use Shemgar to kill 600 Philistines with an ox goat in his hand. 600 Philistines. God probably called out to Shemgar and said, Shemgar, I got a job for you. I need you to do something for me. There's some enemies of, of, of me, the people that are causing problems, I need you to destroy them, right? And, and Sam God said, okay, I'm just a farmer. Um, God, I don't understand what you want me to do. He said, just take care of them. Okay, God, with what? Well, what you got in your hand? Well, God, I got this, I don't know, I showed. That worked for me. I'll use what you got. Just use it for me. And sure enough, Sam God, he take care of those Philistines, 600 Philistines. Later on in Judges, we need to meet another man. Most of you know this person. 
named Samson, right? Samson's the strongest man in the universe, right? I don't know if in the universe, but he was a strong man, and a very, very strong man at this time. And God used this person. And, uh, and of course, if you read about Samson, Samson had a little bit of a wild streak to his life. I would say a little, a big wild streak in his life, but God still used him. God still used him. And one day, God said, hey, Samson, there's a thousand Philistines over the hill over there. They need to be gone, all right? The Philistines, they're not good people. They hate God. They hate me. They want to pervert the people to get away from God. They need to be wiped out. And I said, okay, God, how? Well, what do you have in your hand? And I said, nothing. Well, what's by your feet? He looked down by feet, and there was a jawbone of a donkey. I see a jawbone, God. I said, pick that up. And so Samson picked up the jawbone of a donkey. And God said, I'll use that. I will use that. And sure enough, we don't know the, the details, but somehow, if you can imagine a picture in your own little mind, and my mind goes crazy with this kind of stuff, how Samson had a weapon that was a jawbone to take care of it by himself, a thousand Philistines. Another person, David. David and Goliath. All right, they tried to equip David with all kinds of stuff, with the armor and, and a shield and a mighty spear and a sword. And, and, and David said, this is not me. This is not who I am. God said to, to, to David, he said, go out in the, cr- in, the, in the little creek. I want you to find some rocks and use that. And God used those little rocks to take for to use David to take out the mighty giant. So God can use whatever you have for his glory. Whatever you have, and he can use it to fish for people. God has a history of using simple things so that you can share and be used by God. Start with what you have. Here's a couple questions for you. Do you have a boat? Invite some people out on the lake. Use that boat to get to know people. Perhaps maybe build a relationship to share your faith. It may not happen the first time you take them on the boat, but they get to know who who you are and how different you are. Do you have season tickets? Do you have season tickets to a baseball game or to a football game? Share them. Be generous. I know some people, I know some Christians, they, go, they get these season tickets. They buy one for them and maybe a good friend, and they buy an extra one or two. They always invite someone that they know at work, maybe in their neighborhood, someone that, that doesn't know Jesus, so that they can build relationships. Relationships. Can you cook? Can you cook? Here's an idea. Invite some college students over to your house. You have a crowd in no time. Bring them over. Before long, you'll be feeding people with your food, but you'll also be feeding them the bread of life, sharing the gospel. Use what you have. Do you have extra time? Extra time. You can use your time to invest in relationships. The more you serve, the bigger difference you can make in the difference in the lives of others. Use what you have. 
Just like Levi, you can be relational in your approach and build relationships. The second way you can fish is you can invite someone to church. Number two, you can invite someone to church. The statistic that says this, that 50% of the people that are out there, 50% of the lost world are open to an invitation. In other words, one out of two people will express interest. Now, they may, not, they may not come right away, but they may take an invite card, or they may say, hey, I'll check out your church website. 50%. Now, the other 50%, they're not interested, but 50% are open to an invitation. 50%. In fact, people that come to church, people that actually do make it a church, they come not because of a Facebook marketing or a newspaper ad, but they came most likely because they were invited by somebody. The, the statistics show that 80% of people that come came to church because they were invited by someone. 80%. And so we have an awesome opportunity to invite people to a church. Invite people and send them an invitation to come. John had a powerful story. We see this. And John had a powerful story about a woman who had experienced a lot of hurt in her life. A lot of pain. And when she met Jesus, he offered, and by the way, Jesus offered this woman, this is the woman at the well, he offered her living water, a relationship that would, that would change her life forever. And so Jesus leads her to this living water. And she's so excited that the Bible says in John 4 verse 28 that the woman left her water jar beside the well ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly, could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now what did she do? Here's what she didn't do. She didn't memorize the script. All right? She didn't... She didn't preach a sermon. She didn't lead anyone in a prayer. She simply invited everyone to come and to meet the Savior who had changed her life. And you can do the same thing. As you look around, you'll see people every day who need the grace of God. You'll see people who are hurting, who's in pain, who's looking for comfort. You'll see someone in your class that's hurting. You'll see someone at the gym discouraged. You'll see someone at work that's searching for answers for life. And you'll see opportunities upon opportunities to, to invite people to church. By the way, you guys do a fantastic job with this. We create resources all the time. I have two invite cards right now as we, as, as we got things coming up. You know, we have two events. You know, we're having a party 
you know, we're using what we have. Right? We, we, this is not our building, right? But we're going to use what we have. The school has given us access to the water fountain, you know, to the water faucet. And we're going to have a wet and wild night on Tuesday night. We're going to have a movie night on Wednesday night. So we're going to have a party. We're going to be a relationship. But then next Sunday, the fifth leper series. And many of you here, you know somebody. You know a couple. They're going through a rough patch in their marriage. You know some people that's going through a rough time. And you can take an invite card. And as you leave today, you'll get a couple of these cards. As you leave today, you'll invite, perhaps you'll look for an opportunity to invite the couple or someone at work. Maybe you don't know if they have marriage problems or not. Maybe, maybe you don't look for the marriage problem people as well. You're looking for people and say, listen, this is a, a series to help every marriage get better. You know, we want to help your marriages get better because I promise you this, Satan wants to do everything he can to destroy marriages. He wants to divide the home. He wants to wreck and ruin marriage life everywhere. And he's doing it. He's working it. And it's happening. And so we want to do our part. And this is an awesome, opp- awesome opportunity for you to invite. To invite. And to share someone to church. To invite someone to church. Be the salt of the earth. Be the light of the world. God could use you to invite somebody to church this Sunday. Number three. Here's another bait in the tackle box. You can share your story. You can share your story. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen to me, you have a story to tell. Every one of you have a story. If you're a follower of, a follower of Christ, share your story. One time, Jesus healed a blind man. This is a story where the blind man, you know, he can't see, and, and he hears Jesus coming, and he says, oh, Master, come heal me. And Jesus comes, and, and he says, okay, I'm going I'm to heal your eyes, and he begins to spit in the, in the ground and made mud, made mud pies. All right? And he put the pile of mud, and and he would slobber the mud, spit mud, okay? Spit mud. That's nasty. And he said, well, it's, just, it's Jesus. I don't care if it's the Savior's saliva. It's still nasty, okay? Uh, he got the mud, spit, you know, put it all over the man's eyes. And I'm sure the blind man, he's like, what is going on? What is happening? I hear someone coughing up a loogie, you know, and then I feel the nice, slimy mud in my eyes. And then Jesus said, now I want you to walk across town with the mud on your face and, and, and wash it out in the pool of Siloam. And, and the blind man says, I'm doing it. I mean, I've been blind my entire life, and i got mud in my face, so I'm just doing it. And so he walked across town. You can imagine, maybe the little mommy, the little kids, you know, boys and little girls are a little freak out. I say, mommy, what's wrong with that person? And mommy and dad said, I have no idea, but he got mud on his face. Right, he finally gets to the pool of Siloam. He washes it, and he can see. He's been healed, and he's been changed. And he starts to tell everybody, 
Man, you'll never hear what just happened. The craziest thing. But Jesus healed my eyes. And you'll never, you'll never guess how he did it. Man, he had a cool story to tell. And he's telling a story to everybody. And then there were some Pharisees, the religious people. They started questioning the story. They were like, oh, come on now. Jesus used mud? That's just crazy. Who uses mud to heal, do anything? That's just the craziest thing I've ever heard. Are you sure you're the same guy that we, you know, that's the blind man on the edge of town that's always asking for money? They said, no, I am he. I am he. And so the religious people, the Pharisees, they still doubted the guy's story, and so they went to the guy's parents. They say, your son get healed, and they're like, hey, you know, yeah, I mean, ask if you see for yourself. And, and so the, the Pharisees, I mean, they really hated Jesus. I mean, they were just, just aggravated. And so they go back to the man again and say, what's going on? Hey, come on now, tell the truth. I'll really be honest. You can read the whole story in John chapter 9. And, and so this is what the, the healed man, this is what the blind healed man said to the Pharisees. John chapter 9, verse 25. He said, I don't know whether he is a sinner. The Pharisees were just saying, no, we know Jesus is a sinner. He's not the guy that did it. Come on, God did it, not Jesus. And, and the blind man's like, he said, listen, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. But I know this. And here's what I know. I was blind. And now I can see. It's aggravated. We can almost sense it here in the language. And he said, I was blind. Don't y'all get it? I was the blind guy. And now I can see. And the, and the religious people, the Pharisees, they kept, they kept fighting back. And you see in verse 26. Well, what do you do? How did he heal you? We want the breakdown on this. In verse 27, he said, look, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become a disciple too? Now he's fishing. I love that. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be a disciple too? And so what did he do? He tells his story. I was blind. And now I see. I met a man named Jesus. And he made all the difference in my life. Tell your story. How do you tell your story? Because every one of you have a story to tell. And it's your story. Your story is unique to you. And it's best told not by me. It's best told not by anybody in your family. It's best told by you. Bible said to be witness. To be a witness is to testify. You know, you're going to testify in a court of law. If you're a witness, you testify. You give a testimony of what took place, of what you observed. And you have a story. You testify. You're a witness. You testify what God has done in your life. Real quick, there's four parts to your story. I want to help you here because all of us need to learn to tell our story. Part number, part number one, what my life was like before I met Christ. What my life was like before I met Christ. What was the attitude that you had? Now maybe you were a kid, you know, um, and, and this might, be a, might not be as easy, but 
I was a believer when I was seven years old. I, and my story doesn't, it's not a drastic, okay? I didn't come from, you know, I was taking drugs and I was drinking alcohol and I was boozing up and I was in the jail. You know, mine's not that dramatic, okay? And that's okay. I, I, as a little boy, I recognized that I needed a Savior. That I needed Jesus in my life. And that, that's my pre-Christ testimony. Not very deep. In fact, you shouldn't be very long on your pre, uh, pre-conversion story. Alright, don't, don't brag about, man, you, man, before I met Christ, you know, I was in a bar one time, I gave this guy a bloody nose, and uh, I was in jail for one week, man, it was awesome! You know, and then I got out of jail, and, and I did this, and I did that, and I was back in jail, but I, I, I was wicked, and then, you know, one, guy, one time, you know, there was a three-on-one, and I karate chopped them all, and I took them all out, three-on-one. Man, I was the man, that was before I knew Jesus, and that's not really a testimony, that's more of a braggamony, okay? Uh, we shouldn't be bragging about our past life before Christ, all right? But you have a story. You know, you have, what was your life before Christ? What substitute for God did you find meaning in your life? Sports. Maybe fitness. Maybe success at work with your God. Marriage. Making money. Drugs. Alcohol. Having fun. Entertainment. Having parties. Hobbies. Those were your gods before you make God your God. Let's just share. Take a minute. That's part one. Take a few minutes. What your life was like before I met Christ. Part two, how I realized I needed Christ. What was the significant steps that led up to your decision? Was there a crisis that got your attention? Or was it slow, step by step, as you, maybe you came to church and you weren't sure, but you were seeking something, and over time, you came to that realization that you needed Jesus. How did God get your attention? And that's a part of your testimony. Part three, how I committed my life to Christ. That defining moment, how you came to Christ. What specifically did you do? Maybe you can say where it happened. You might even say, hey, this is what I said in my prayer. Be specific. Now, what do you do to cross over the line? Maybe you say, man, one day I was hearing a sermon, and at the end of the message, there was a call to, 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 to receive Christ, and on that specific day, I asked you to come in my life. Or I was having coffee with a friend, and I had questions about God, and, and at that coffee shop, my, that my friend took me and led me in a sinner's prayer. And I asked Jesus right there in the coffee shop to come into my life. What's your defining moment? Share that moment. That's a powerful moment. That's a powerful part of your faith story. And then last of all, part four, the difference it has made in my life since then. The difference. This is the most important part too. What benefit have you experienced since your new walk in Christ? How has Jesus helped you change for the better? How has it helped your relationships? 
You might want to give some examples. I said, man, ever since I brought Christ into my life, I have a new purpose. I have freedom to enjoy Christ. I don't try to live by the rules of religion, but I'm free in Jesus. I have been freed, and I walk in joy, and a joy that I can't explain. Ever since I became a Christian, that might be a part of your story. Now, your story, one minute, two minutes, three minutes long, not long. I mean, you can make it as long as you want. But you don't, two or three, maybe, maybe four minutes at the most, it's a good, ample time to share your story. Now, we don't have life group this week. No, life group, we don't do life group during the summertime. But man, this would be, when we kick off life group, Danny, this would be an awesome opportunity this fall for people to share their stories. I know when I have groups, I have oftentimes ask someone each week, hey, who wants to share a story, their faith story? Because you need to practice sharing your story. You need to practice this week. Share it with your friend. Share it with your spouse. Share your story about Christ, about what he did, how he came to your life. Using these four parts, share your stories. Now, five don'ts. Five don'ts that we see in sharing your story. Real quick, don't exaggerate, exaggerate or brag about pre-conversion sins. Don't make negative remarks about other people, other religion, in your story. I mean, just, you know, you don't know the, the person you're talking to. You don't know where they're coming from. So be careful there. Don't quote a lot of scripture. Uh, this is your story. You might use one verse. Uh, Martin Luther, the, he's the founder of a Lutheran church. Uh, Martin Luther, um, his story about coming to Christ, if you were to read his story, you know, he was searching, searching, searching. He was looking for all the answers. And he couldn't figure it out. He was very, very religious. And, uh, and, and so he was reading the Bible. He thought, you know, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to try to figure this out because I'm doing all this spiritual stuff and it's not happening. All right? That's a pre-conversion testimony. And so one day I started reading the Bible. And Martin Luther said, I found a verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. And it said, the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. And that verse struck a chord in my life. That verse right there said, man, it's not by works. I've been doing all this religious stuff. It's by faith. And he came to know Christ. And became a believer in Jesus Christ. He walked away from his religious exercise, his religious church that he was involved in. And he lost some friends. In fact, he became a political enemy of the state because back in the 1400s, you know, what kind of a, you had to be in the state religion. And, and he walked away and said, no, I don't want to be a part of that because I know the answer. And even though he lost some things, he gained so much more. And he would tell you about it. If Martin Luther was to tell you his story, that would be a story in a nutshell. Now, if Martin Luther was actually here, I would want to hear a lot more than two or three minutes, right? I mean, he'd be kind of cool to hear, right? Even though I'm not Lutheran. Man, I love what Martin Luther's testimony has done. And so your story. So don't, don't quote a lot of scriptures. This is a testimony, not a sermon. Don't answer questions they haven't asked. Don't use churchy words. 
Tell your story. Share your story. For the, it's the most powerful bait, the pow, most powerful lure in your fishing tackle box. Your faith story. Number four, we'll wrap this up. You can lead a person to Christ. You can share your story. And then you can look at them and say, hey, would you like to know Christ? Would you like to be his disciple too? Would you like to have a relationship with him? They may not be ready for that. Don't be pushy, right? We talked about that last week. Don't be pushy. But you can ask the question, would you like to know more about Christ? Can I share what I know from God's word about how you can become a believer? And you can do this. You can do this. It takes work. It takes a little practice. I'm telling you, you can do this. Don't have to depend on the pastor and a few leaders at the church to do the, to, to do the message of salvation. In fact, work, my job, the Bible says in Ephesians, I believe in chapter 2, my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. It's to equip you to share your faith and to lead people to Christ. My job to help you with that. So you can lead a person to Christ. And there's many different ways to do this. Alright? Many different ways you can lead a person to Christ. If you look on your handout note, there's a couple of things here I want to help you with. You can, there's a couple of methods. You got methods. Okay? You don't have to use any of these methods. There's different methods. Alright? Romans, the Romans Road. It's a classic method. You can use verses from the book of Romans. And you can kind of go through verse by verse by verse. And to, to, and to show them that they're a sinner. And because they're sin, they deserve hell. But then God showed his love. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. And then Romans chapter 10. You know, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Real simple verses you can look at in the Romans Road. In fact, you can Google the Romans Road plan of salvation. And you can, you can equip yourself. Just through the internet, how to do this. How the Romans Road plan of salvation. Another, another plan of salvation method you can use is the four spiritual laws. This is very popular with Crusade for Christ. Which is where Billy Graham had come from. Billy Graham will use this oftentimes, the four laws. And here's the website here that you can jump right into and look at these four spiritual laws. Uh, but one that I really enjoy using... That I've been using the past few years is an app on my phone. Because I always carry my phone with me. I, I, I sometimes don't have the paper, you know, we got some literatures and stuff like that. But man, an app, I always have. If you were to download an app, you can search in your Google Play or Apple Store, and you can search for Life Conversation Guide. And I'm going to open up my app. And I want you to see what this app does. It's powerful. When you open up the app, you'll see, the, you'll see this. Life. Three circle, life conversation guide. And then you, you, you swipe to begin. All right, it worked. There you go. And you see the three circles. All right. By the way, there's a little, you can't see it real good, but on the bottom right, you see that little box with the little three dots? Um, it won't show up here on the screen, but when you click on it, 
I'll, I'll give you some verbiage if you're a little stuck on something. If you're not sure where to go with this, you can sit down and say, you know what? God had a perfect design for each and every one of you. God designed with you to have a perfect relationship with him, and then you swipe it. But then something happened. I swiped. There we go. Sin came in the world. Sin messed up. God, perfect design, perfect relationship, perfect world that he created. I swipe again. And because of sin, brokenness. We live in a broken world because of sin. We have broken marriages because of sin. We have, we have disease because of sin. We have broken, uh, we have crimes and, and, and people breaking the laws all the time because of sin. There's brokenness all around the world. By the way, any time you get stuck, you go, oh, man, I'm not sure what to say. Bottom right, just kind of a little box and it'll pop up and a little bit of help right there to help you walk through it. You swipe it again. But Jesus died on the cross with bearing rose again. While the broken world is going on. By the way, this is a great time to use Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, the gospel of Jesus Christ was happening. Christ died for us. He died for us. God showed his love to us. He died for us. And so now, we're broken. But God is doing something on the side. He's doing something in the background. Swipe it again. And you give us an opportunity to connect with the gospel. That we can repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon me and I will save your life. You swipe it again. We go back to God's perfect design. He wants to recover. He wants to restore your relationship with God. He wants to restore who you are in Christ Jesus. You swipe it again. Now give it a little breakdown. What should I do next? Okay, you gave the plan of salvation. What next? And you can read this. And I'll give you a simple prayer right there. And then you can flip on one more page. You'll, you'll click on the top right where it said an arrow. And it'll help you. Hey, here's what you should do now that you're a Christian. Pray, you know, go to church, read your Bible, all that simple stuff. A powerful app. Take practice. Take practice. And how you practice? Do it at home with your, with your friends or your, or your spouse. Practice. Work on it. And the other person that's playing, that's role-playing, okay, right, try to be easy on them at first. Right, don't, don't try to, you know, trick them with all kinds of crazy answers. You know, just try to be simple. And, and by the way, there'll be times where you'll be stumped. You might get halfway through that, and someone might be like, ask a difficult question. You'll be like, and this is what scares people. What if they ask a question I don't have the answers to? And this is what I often do, because I do it too. That happens to me all the time. They ask me, man, you talk to someone, they, give, they, got, they have a great question. I'm like, oh, man, you have to ask that question? Uh, and I'm the one that has a, 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 a Bible degree. So oftentimes I say, look, man, that's a great question. And I don't have the exact answer for it. Can you give me a couple days? And I'll get back with you on that question. Now, don't try to fake it. You know, that's being real. I say, listen, I don't have all the answers. Can I get back with you? And then this is where you say, Pastor Scott, please help. <laughs> okay? This is where we come and help you. I say, hey, man, that's a great question you're asking. 
Here's how you can come back. Here's some resources. Okay? And then a couple of days later, you go back to that person and say, hey, can we continue our conversation? Because we were doing so well and you had a great question. I want to get back to you on that question. And you get back with that person. Don't quit. It's called fishing. You got to be patient. You got to be patient. You got to pray and you got to be patient as you fish. Let me close out. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I used it first last week. We now have this light shining in our heart, the light of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. We have it. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. We're, we sometimes feel unqualified, don't we? But we're containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. I mean, when I share the gospel, I oftentimes don't feel worthy to share the gospel. But I know that God is helping me. And I always ask God, God, give me the opportunities to share your faith. Give me clarity as I communicate the story, the gospel. And you can do this with the help of God. Before we close in prayer, I want you to look on your handout notes. And on the bottom, you see five blanks. Five blanks. And so what the blanks for? These blanks are for you to write five names of people you know. People you know that need Jesus. Maybe the family member. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's someone you work out with. I want you to challenge you to write these five names. And I want you to pray for those five names. You don't have to do it now. Take it home if you want to. You can do it now if you want. You can take it home. And say, God, help me to look for opportunities to fish in my fishing pond. Help me to fish in my fishing pond. And this is your fishing pond. This is your fishing pond. Whether it's using what you have and inviting them to church, or maybe you have an opportunity where one day they say, hey man, I know there's something different about your life. What's going on? And then instead of, you know, fluffing it with an answer like, man, I had an extra cup of coffee today and I'm having a great day. Or my kids went to bed last night and I had a great, great quality night of sleep. Why don't you give them the real answer? You know what? I've been meaning to tell you. I, I have Jesus in my life. And they might look at you funny. and say, but let me explain to you. Because Jesus is that awesome. And it's made a difference in my life. Can I take a minute to share my story with you? Give them permission. If they say no, don't, don't push it. If they say sure. Then you have an open opportunity. To share your story. And then have an an altar call. It's an altar call. That's where you give the plan of salvation. Would you like to know what I know? Would you like to know what I did? Would you like to do what I did many years ago? And you go through that plan of salvation. You pull out that app. You start working through it. You don't worry about you know, bad you know, in a hundred because not everyone can do it. But you're fishing. You're not catching. You're fishing. 
efficient. And the altar call can be anywhere. It can be at the coffee shop. It can be at the, at the, during the break at the office. It, it can be at a church, the altar call. God is at work wherever the conversation's at. He is working as you pray. And don't give up on praying. I've known people that we've been praying for for over 15, 20 years. To know Jesus. To know Jesus. To know Jesus. And sometimes we feel like giving up. It's a man, they're never going to come to Jesus. Don't quit praying because I've seen that prayer answered. I've seen it answered. It's taken 15, 20, 25 years. But I've seen people finally come to a realization that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they receive Christ in their life after 15, 20, 30 years of praying for somebody. Pray for these people. And don't quit. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for opportunity to go fishing. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you that you have given us all that we need to go fishing. And although we feel like fragile jars of clay, and we feel nervous, we feel sometimes unqualified, God, I pray that you will give us good power and your boldness to drop a line. I pray that you will help us and to guide us every step of the way. I pray that you will give us the opportunities to share our faith. God, I pray that we will start praying consistently for the people in our fishing pond. Pray for those names. And God, I pray that we don't ever quit praying for them. God, I pray that you will give us the opportunities as we pray to open the door of conversation to share your faith. And wherever it may be, wherever it is, whether it's at home, whether it's at a, at a restaurant, or at church, or at a park, Wherever it is, God, the altar for your salvation is open for people to know who you are and to receive you. I pray we fish as we follow you. In your name I pray.